Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Today is an awesome day. I love the midweek. I don't know about y'all, but I love, I love the midweek. You know, it gives me that extra, that extra feel. Hey, <laughs> the extra <laughs> feel for the remainder of the week. You know, sometimes you get a little, uh, you might get a little weak during the week and you just kind of need that, that extra push, that second wind, if you will. And midweek service always does that. Pastor Cody gave some announcements. Um, ladies Bible study coming up, don't forget that. And then also the growth track. You know, it's important to, um, speaking on ladies Bible study and also life groups, our life group sessions, are, our life group is in session right now. It's important to connect uh, to stay connected and stay engaged uh, with church, uh, with the people of your church family. Uh, we're all one family. I heard uh, this pastor say this at a, uh, a, a leadership conference that I was at, um, and he talked about how as babies, uh, you know, our, our, and don't take this weird or awkward, <laughs> but our navel is a sign that we are always, we have always been connected to something. We started off being connected to someone and then when we come out of the womb, we spend our entire life looking to be connected to someone. We get married, we wanna be connected to someone. We have children, we wanna be connected to someone and so our navel is a constant reminder that we're always looking to be connected to someone. It's important that you connect, that you find someone. There's a scripture over, and I believe it's in Ecclesiastes. It says, uh, woe to that person who falls alone. That person is in real trouble. Because if you fall and you have someone with you, you got somebody there to help you up, to help pull you up and say, hey, it's okay, you made a mistake, brush yourself off, let's keep going. But the person that falls and has nobody is in real trouble. So be sure to you know, connect with those, uh, those, those different opportunities that we have here at the church for you, ladies, Bible study, life groups, growth track. Anybody come to guest cookout this past Sunday? Hands all over, awesome, awesome. I'm sorry I wasn't able to be there. I was suffering, suffering on vacation in Paris. I was, my wife and I, we were just, I mean, we were suffering. <laughs> Wishing we were here exactly. <laughs> no, we just came back from Paris and we, enjoyed, we had an amazing time, my wife and I. But if you were here at Guest Cookout, I know you got that reminder about Growth Track that's coming up this coming Sunday. And if you uh, didn't get a chance to come out Come check us out uh, Sunday at 9.15 back in the student ministries area. If you want more information about the church, if you want to be connected to the church, come there and you can hear all about Tree of Life. But let's get into the word for tonight. You ready? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity that we have to dig into your word. We thank you, Father. Our ears are open. Our hearts are ready to receive what you would have to speak to us tonight. We thank you that your anointing is here. Your presence is already here for you said where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst of us. So we honor and we thank you for being here today. In Jesus' name, everybody said. 
Amen. Today we're going to talk about expectations versus reality. Expectation versus reality. And I had our production team to uh, to put or to grab this video. This video that I found on Facebook. I'm sorry. And you know you no longer have permission to be on Facebook. Um, <laughs> that permission is gone now. <laughs> Unless you're taking the picture and say, "Hey, Pastor Dave is on fire right now." <laughs> then you can do it. <laughs> But I had them to put this, uh, put this video up talking about expectation versus reality. So let's watch this really quick. Awesome. You can try it again. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> now, how many of you were that guy with the jump rope? <laughs> Listen, if you have an idea to do it again, just please let me know so I can be there with my phone and <laughs> periscope and I, I'll tape it live. But how many of you know that that's something that we all experience in our lives every day? Maybe not that jump rope and falling and hurting yourself or shaking with the, the hula hooper, but we have expectations and sometimes our expectations, most times if you will, sometimes, they don't line up with our reality. The thing that we expect, the thing that we believe, that we expect to see in our lives, it often doesn't line up with our reality. Think back when you were a kid in high school. You had this idea of how your life, I remember when I was 12, 13, 14 years old and I said where I would be when I'm 30, I'm gonna be this, I'm gonna be that. You know, you're in high school and you have this plan of graduating and going to this big college, having a full you know, scholarship or whatever the case may be and going and graduating college with this degree and getting this big high paying job and then graduating, getting this job, and then finding this amazing person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, this amazing Christian person, and having some amazing Christian kids who grow up to be great Christian people and find other great Christian spouses and live this fabulous life, etc. But how many of you know that that doesn't always happen? Reality of it is, they don't tell you that you're going to be paying on those student loans for probably the rest of your life. <laughs> Sometimes our expectations don't match up with our reality. I had this expectation that I was going to go to the NBA. I mean, every kid wants to go to the NBA or the NFL, and I was pretty good in high school and in college and you know, all that good stuff, I, I was pretty, pretty good. And I was probably, uh, wasn't as good as I thought I was, but, <laughs> but I was pretty good and played a little semi-pro in Detroit. But my expectation and my reality didn't match up. 
The reality of it is I'm just a little too short. I felt like I was like 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". And then I look in the mirror and it's like, no, you're six foot, dude. It's not gonna happen. And that happens in our life all the time and we have these expectations of what we want our lives to be. We wanna have the, drive these nice cars and live in these houses and do you know, some amazing things and then what we often do is we connect God to our expectations. And we say, well, this is a good thing. It's, it, it, it's good, I mean, and God loves me and he wants me to have the best. So, I mean, it's only logical. And we connect God to these expectations that we have in our heart. But sometimes everything that looks good to you is not good for you. That's not in your notes, so write that down. And if you don't have notes, throw your hands, hand up so the ushers can get you some. I got hands over here, ushers. Everything that looks good to you is not necessarily good for you. Another note I'm gonna give you, and this is also not in my notes, every good thing is not necessarily a God thing. I'm gonna say that again, every good thing is not necessarily a God thing. That's why it pays to seek God for our, in our decisions, to ask God for wisdom. Pastor Ken talked about that last Wednesday. Seeking God for wisdom. Every good thing is not necessarily a God thing. You may be in a job right now and you're, you know, you're, uh, you know, not satisfied with, with the money that you're making, with the job that you're doing, and then, but, you know, God is, is providing for you, and, you know, uh, you've, you've got freedom, you've got liberty in your job, you, you don't have somebody always watching over your back, and, you know, it's, you know, it's, it, you have a good working environment, it's just not what you want or what you expected, and then you get this offer, or you see this other job that just looks so amazing, and then you'll be making so much more money, and you feel like you have so much more freedom, and then you decide to go ahead and take that job, and you get over there, and all hell breaks loose because every good thing is not necessarily a God thing. In your marriage, you may, and, and I hope this doesn't, this doesn't happen in Tree of Life, this happens at, at other places, uh, but, but in your marriage, you, 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 you may feel like your spouse is not you know, who you want to be and, or who you wanted it to be, and you have this expectation of what your marriage should look like and what your spouse should look like, and you decide, you know, I'm going to find someone that looks better, and then you realize that the grass really isn't greener on the other side, and every good thing is not necessarily a God thing. That's why it pays to pray and seek God in every decision. Every decision. And God wants to be so involved into your li in your life and even into the small things like, Father, what should I wear today? And that may seem you know, stupid to some people, but that's, that's the level that God wants to be involved in your life. 
He may tell you, to, you may have a shirt that says, I'm saved and I'm glad about it. And he say, hey, wear that shirt today. And you're in the store and somebody sees that and says, hey, I like that shirt. Can you tell me what that means? But had you not prayed and asked God, hey, what should I wear today? You might have missed that opportunity or that person may have missed that opportunity to connect with God. He wants to be so involved in even the small things of your life. Just because something seems good doesn't mean that it's God's will. It doesn't even mean that God will bless it. Because sometimes what we'll do is we'll walk into something not even praying and asking God, we'll walk into it and we'll say, okay, hey God, bless this. And you get, uh, you, may, you may have a car, your car's paid off, it's running good, but you feel, you know, I want a new car. I'm just gonna go out here and get a new car. You go and get a new car and now you got this bill, this payment, this car note, and you had a car that was already paid off, it was working just fine, and you go and you get this and you say, God blessed me with this and now you can't make the payments. And the scripture says, the blessing of God makes rich and adds no sorrow. So if it's adding sorrow to your life, I can probably say that it's not a blessing from God. It pays, now that's had nothing to do with my, my message, but it was those bunny trails, we, we get on them, squirrel. It pays to seek God, ask God for wisdom. My father, when I was growing up in ministry, uh, he was you know, training us up as ministers. He will always tell us that the right word at the wrong time is the wrong word. And so for, the, for, for, for tonight, I'm gonna say the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. God's timing is so important. His timing is so important. My wife and I, if you ask each one of us, we'll be, this coming September, we'll be celebrating 11 years. 11 years married, 12 years in July together. And if you ask either one of us, if we had to go back 11 years, would we have gotten married? We both would say, absolutely not. Whoa, I saw some eyes go. Because we realize that the timing was not right. Now, hindsight's 2020, we realize now that the timing was, was not right. Am I saying that I would not have married her? Absolutely not, because I know without a shadow of a doubt that God placed her on this earth for me. And she knows without a shadow of a doubt that God placed me on this earth for her. So we would have gotten married, but the timing would have been different. There are things that we suffered. There are things that we went through in our marriage because our timing was off. It pays to listen to wisdom from the Father and it pays to listen to wisdom from other people. The right thing. This marriage is the right thing. But it was at the wrong time. Probably we could have waited another year, another two years or some, something like that. Now, thanks be to God, we are here. His grace and his mercy has taken us so very far and we're so much in love, more than we've ever been. 
but the timing. God's timing. God's timing. But today we're going to talk about, let's actually get into the message. We're going to talk about how Jesus handled expectations, not matching reality. So in your notes, let's look at Matthew 17, verse 14 through 18. And it says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Do you see there where expectations did not match with the reality? And Jesus responded here. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Now, I, that's my own version. I just figured I'd you know, add that's how Jesus sounded. <laughs> Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Expectations not matching the reality. And I wrote a little equation, equation there on your notes and it says that reality minus expectations or desires equals frustrations. And you can even see here in this scripture where Jesus was expecting something to happen and the reality, the reality was completely different. Think on this. Unfulfilled expectation breeds frustration. The scriptures before that, uh, in, in verse chapter 17, one through, I think it's 13, it talks about when Jesus was on the mountain with the, with the, with the disciples and uh, they had the vision of Moses and Elijah, the Mount, they called it Mount Transfiguration, you know, that, that whole story. And then immediately after that, they come off of this mountain and somebody comes up to, a man comes up with his son and tries to get them to cast his demon out of, out of his son and they cannot do it. Can you imagine the frustration that Jesus felt? We just came from this amazing time in the presence of God and we come right here and you can't even operate in the anointing? You can't, ca how long do I have to stay with you? How long do I have to put up with you? Bring the boy to me, I, I'll take care of it. He didn't say that, but it's the DM version. In this passage, you see that Jesus got frustrated, honest, and open. And Jesus proved here that there is absolutely nothing wrong with getting frustrated. And I say that again, there is absolutely nothing wrong with getting frustrated. Ephesians 4, 26 says, in your anger, do not sin. And I like another translation that says, be angry, but sin not. God is telling us here through Paul in that, in that passage in Ephesians that you have permission, you have the license not to act in rage in your notes, but you have the license to be human. That feeling of frustration, that feeling of being let down is you being human and God says, listen, it's okay. Can I tell you that God is okay 
with you being frustrated with him? He's perfectly fine with you being angry with him. And that may just jack up some people's theology. That's okay. He's okay with you being frustrated. He's okay with you being angry because he already knows eventually you'll remember that he loves you so very much. There's a couple questions there. You're not gonna answer them now because we don't have a whole lot of time, but I want you to think about these. How do you manage the feelings of being let down? And when I say the feelings of being let down, have you ever prayed for something? You were believing God, praying and believing God to do something and it didn't happen. That right there, the feeling that you felt right there. That feeling of being, oh, let down. Man, God, I was praying, I was believing for it. Why did it not happen? What happened? What did I do? Those feelings that you felt when you felt like your prayer was unanswered, that feeling of being let down, how do you manage that? How do you cope with your expectations not lining up with your reality? Think on those questions. And I left some space there for you to write it down. So let's look at, but let's look at what Jesus did here in this passage of scripture in the eight minutes that we have left. I swear that clock has a devil in it sometimes. <laughs> Bring the clock here to me. <laughs> Cast the devil out that clock. <laughs> Number one, don't let frustrations hold you back. You've seen in the scripture that Jesus was frustrated, letter A, as reality didn't come close to his expectations. But he accepted where his disciples were at, he adapted and he healed the boy. Think on this. What would you have done if you were in Jesus' situation at that moment? Would you swear under your breath? Some, uh, yeah, Pastor Dave said it. Come on. Some of you would. Would you find new disciples? You know what? Forget it. Y'all fired. Just give me 12 more. Would you chastise them right in the open in front of everybody? Would you forgive them but remember the fact that they let you down and not trust them anymore? Come on, these are real emotions, real feelings. Look back at that question up there, how do we manage the feelings of being let down? Think about the times that you have felt that. Does it hold you back in your relationship with God? That feeling of being let down. Are you now only partially engaged in church? Not giving your all? Have you withdrawn from some relationships? Is it making you bitter? Follow Jesus' example. Jesus didn't hold back. He got open and he dealt with the frustration. He accepted where things were with his disciples. He adapted and he kept moving. There was a place that I expected my life to be at this age 
and I ain't there yet. I accepted it, I adapted, and I kept moving. Don't get stuck. Because when you get stuck in your frustrations, it leads to other things. And I don't wanna get, jump ahead. But that leads me to my next point, number two. Do something. Because we often have the tendency that when we get frustrated, we just say, you know what, forget it, I quit. I'm just not gonna do anything. Just forget it. And that's the worst thing to do. You have to do something. In the beginning, I said that unfulfilled expectations breed frustration. But let me add to that. Frustrations not dealt with can lead to depression. If you have frustrations about your expectations not being met and you don't deal with those frustrations, it will often lead, more than likely lead to depression. (sighs) What did I do wrong? Man, maybe if I had done this different. It's happening to everybody else. Why? Why not me? Why can't I have that? Why can't I do that? And it leads you to depression. At the end of uh, 2015, I stood in the mirror one day and I was looking at myself and I saw the state of my physical body and I looked terrible. All 215 pounds of me. In my eyes, I looked terrible. My wife would say, no baby, you were beautiful. You were handsome, not beautiful. But I felt like I looked terrible. There was, an, there was an expectation that I had. As a 32-year-old man, there was, I needed to look a certain way. Now, growing up in the culture that I grew up in, in the city of Detroit, I saw so many, and I, I was a pastor's kid, grew up at, you know, in the church. The typical, the stereotypical African-American pastor or minister is always overweight. Because they just eat and eat and eat. And I can say that because I'm African-American. That comes as a surprise to some people. <laughs> so some people laugh, like, no. <laughs> yes, Pastor Dave is black. <laughs> but I refused to be that stereotype. I said, I will not be that person that walks around with that big old, uh, big old stomach. I've got a little boy. I want to be able to play basketball with my son and not have to stop every five minutes to catch my breath. I want to be able to get out there and run and race my daughter and not say, you know, hold on, let, let daddy catch his breath. Let me get some water. And I looked at myself and I said, listen, I refuse to be that any longer. And I decided to do something. And so I went on this journey and I joined this challenge and and now 12 weeks later, I'm 20 pounds down, 6% body fat down. I'm a gym rat. I love going to the gym. And my wife can't keep her eyes off of me. (laughs) So I say I'm doing good. I look younger, I feel better, but I could have done what I had always done and say, you know what, I'll go to the gym later. 
I'll do it later. And it pays to have somebody with you. I've got two brothers from this church that I, that I work out with every single day. And we build up each other. We connect with each other. We strengthen each other, not just physically, but spiritually. We pray right there in the gym. Right there in the gym. And it's funny, every time we do it, when we finish our workout, we go, go over to the little you know, area where, the, where our clothes and everything are, our keys and all that stuff. And we stop and we just put our arms around each other and we pray. And it's always awesome to see people just start. <laughs> and they respond to you different. The people that didn't speak to you before, now they walk past you and they're like. <laughs> they're saying something now. Never be ashamed of your faith. Never be ashamed of who you are. Letter A, you can't stay frustrated forever. Oh, I gotta hurry. Sooner or later, you are going to have to do something. In John 2, 13 and 17, I'm not gonna read the scripture, but you know this passage of scripture. When Jesus walked into the temple and he saw all of that debauchery going on, selling stuff and doves and, 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 and exchanging money and all of that other stuff, and he just started flipping tables over and getting mad and, and kicking birds, and he didn't do that. <laughs> it sounded good. But Jesus got angry, he got frustrated. He didn't just say, you know what? Somebody ought to do something about that. Where, where is the pastor? Where's the pastor of this church? He, he, need to do, he needs to do something about that. No, Jesus did something himself because of the zeal that he had for his father's house. And this is gonna get hard, really hard right here. How many times have you walked over to the children's ministry and said, you know, they need some more help over here. How many times have you walked through the parking lot or, or, or see the guys with the, the red shirts and you said, man, they, they, where's their help? They need, somebody, they need some more help to pick up these buckets. Really? How many times have you walked over a piece of trash in the gathering place and just left it there and say, oh, the cleaning crew will get it? When are you going to do something? As a member of this church, listen, this is your church. This is your house. It's not just our house. This is not just our church. Listen, this is your church as well. This is your home. Had nothing to do with the message. But it, I feel it was a valid point. The last point. Number three. Take it to Jesus. You saw there in Matthew 17, verse 17 through 18, when Jesus got upset, got frustrated, he told the disciples, listen, just bring it, bring him to me. Bring the boy to me. And if you don't hear anything that I've said today, I, I pray that you hear this. Listen, you may have a situation in your life, a circumstance in your life, and you hadn't fully given it to him. Listen, Jesus is saying, hey, bring it to me. 
Well, I've been diagnosed with cancer. I've been diagnosed with high blood pressure and lupus or whatever it is. Jesus, Jesus is saying, bring it to me. My marriage is on the verge of, of, of being destroyed. We're, we're actually gonna meet with the lawyer this week. Bring it to me. Jesus can, in an instant, accomplish more than we can accomplish in a lifetime. Just like you've seen in that scripture. The disciples prayed, and when Jesus said, bring one to me, he rebuked it, and it's scripture said that the boy was healed at that moment, right then. You need healing in your relationship? Bring it to Jesus. You need healing in your body, healing in your finances, healing in your mind. Bring it to Jesus. Remember this. Faith does not deny reality, but faith changes reality. When we walk in this truth, our expectation becomes our reality. And sometimes the problem with us believers, the problem with us children of God, we have, we say that we have this faith and it we use our faith to deny the fact that reality exists. But what I'm saying here is, is that we don't believe the facts, we believe the truth. So what are the facts? You've gone to the doctor and the doctor said that you have cancer, that's a fact, absolutely. But what is the truth? The truth is that by his stripes, you were healed. We don't believe the facts, we believe the truth. The fact is, your marriage is probably destroyed. You have utterly destroyed your marriage and y'all are, get, are getting ready to get divorced and walk away from it all. But the truth is what God has joined together, let no man take apart. We don't believe the facts. We believe the truth and our faith does not deny the fact that reality exists. But our faith changes our reality. Because the spirit realm where we live, listen, is more real than the natural. Our faith does not deny reality, but our faith changes our reality. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.